What's up, everybody? It is Monday night. We're getting ready for some Monday night football. If you're listening to the replay or listening to the podcast, Monday night football is probably already over with, and you can pretend you're from the future and know it already happened. Uh, before we get into it tonight, it's going to just be me solo tonight, but uh, done some research here. Hopefully, we can get you some good information about these lines for next week. We'll do a little bit of looking back at the week that was. But we're going to start out uh, real quick with some thoughts on Monday Night Football. So if you are listening to this later, you could just skip ahead a little bit and you don't have to deal with that. Uh, first game up, Philly at Tampa Bay. This is a game I bet Philly minus five. I don't remember how far back that was. I think there's still a five and a half out there, a six, whatever. I don't think it's a bad look. Now, Philadelphia has looked a little bit lackluster so far this year, and um yeah, not super impressive. And so there's there's not a lot to go on there. But for me, it's more on the Tampa Bay side of things. This is a team that we or I expected to be at least in sort of that bottom quarter of the league. And they've definitely outperformed what I thought they would do so far. But they still have Baker Mayfield. Um, and if you look at their first two games, number one against Minnesota in week one, they won that turnover battle by a lot. And they still only won 20 to 17. I've talked about this before. And Minnesota threw the ball all over them. Uh, Minnesota really should have won that game. They didn't. Minnesota sucked so far. But uh, other than the turnovers, they would have had that game. Then they played the Bears, and it was a pretty close game until the end. We are seeing how absolutely horrific the Bears are on both sides of the ball. Philadelphia, even if they haven't looked fantastic so far this year, they're still one of the better teams in the NFC. And they're going to get their stuff together over time. They've got a new coaching staff. Not head coach, but coordinators so they have to figure some of that out and i like them to go in there and be able to beat tampa bay by a touchdown tonight this is one i'll probably watch for a live bet as well also normally you know yanni would be with me we are uh, we're gonna get some other guests coming up as well i won't say who for sure yet because i'm still confirming but working on that so in coming weeks it will be a little bit more diverse of a panel definitely than tonight where you just got me um but Yanni, I know, shared on betcrushers.com in one of his articles, he really likes uh, Brown's receiving yards over tonight. So if you want to join, I think uh, JJ from the Bet Crushers was saying today that Yanni was undefeated on his player props. And I think he put out seven of them or something like that. And he's just got this one left. So who knows, is it regression on this one, or is he just going to run the table? I mean, you all know that Yanni is sharp, so you may want to jump on. I actually jumped on the over on Brown's receiving yards because Yanni was on it, and I think, why not? The second game, we've got Cincinnati and the Rams. This one, I think, is really tough because of Joe Burrow. Everybody knows the the deal at this point with his injury. And he's probably going to be playing tonight, but who knows if he gets re-injured, who knows how effective he is. The Rams defense has actually been pretty bad metrically, and so this might be a get-right game for Cincinnati's offense, especially if Burrow can play decent at all. But the Rams have looked better than we thought they would, especially on offense. you got to give them credit for that. So this is one I'm just staying away from. Uh, I don't really want a part of it, given all the variables. So that's Monday Night Football. All right, let's talk a little bit about what we saw on Sunday. I got three things that I want to talk about. There's certainly more that you could react to here. Uh, but these are the three that I'm looking at. First of all, um, oh, let me make sure that I forgot to tweet that out. All right. Always nice when you uh, remember to go and tweet. All right, the first thing I want to talk about is the Vikings. Uh, 
It's not fun to talk about the Vikings. They lose the turnover battle battle once again. Here's the deal is th- this is how close the NFL is. And the Chargers still, I don't know how you have any faith in them. There's two plays in this game that were really big. One is Justin Herbert basically throws a pick and it goes through the Minnesota cornerback cornerback's hands uh, into the outstretched arms of the receiver for a touchdown. So that's something that should have gone the other way. And it was just a play that wasn't made. The second thing was end of the game, closing sequence. Well, first of all, the interception from Cousins bounces off two people and into the hands of a Chargers defender. Again, I mean, not good, but kind of bad luck. And so now the Chargers are one and two and the Vikings are 0 and three. But really, are these teams any different? I feel like, you know, one bounce goes the other way and Minnesota wins. And now we're like, oh, the Chargers are so terrible and Minnesota might have a chance. So I think these teams are kind of the same team. And it was just a few bounces one way or the other. Here's the thing that really pisses me off about Minnesota, though, is at the end, if you were watching the game, you know that Minnesota uh, completes a pass and they go up and time is running down and they don't Kirk Cousins doesn't clock it. And so they run it down, and this is the play where he ends up throwing an interception. But after the game, Kirk Cousins basically just deflecting blame, saying that the crowd was too the crowd was too loud, so he couldn't get the call. You're telling me that you need the crowd to be quiet in order to know as a veteran quarterback with the clock running down around 20 seconds and you having a first down play that you should, shouldn't clock it. You don't know that. Man, I've liked Kirk Cousins, and everybody's entitled to their mistakes. I mean, I've liked him from a character perspective. I, I don't know that he ever gets you over the hump in terms of his play, but he's decent. Um, Minnesota certainly doesn't have anything better, but I could do without that kind of take, not taking responsibility and putting it on the crowd when you could have clocked it. Pretty brutal from from Kirk Cousins. So I think if they can, uh, at this point, Minnesota's 0-3. They've got San Francisco and Kansas City in two of their next four I mean, they might go two and two uh, because they have Carolina. Forget who else they have, but they could win two games there. But it's likely at their best, they're five and seven after twelve games. They're they're very likely not making the playoffs. I think at this point, they'd be better off getting what they can for Kirk Cousins and actually and go ahead and lose games, improve that draft stock. I'd be all right with it. So that's the Vikings. The second thing is, it looks to me like the Jags are in some real trouble here and that's not good for me because I was pretty high on this team coming into the season especially on futures in a soft AFC um, AFC South I thought that the Jags would kind of run away with this division even if they only won nine or ten games but man Indianapolis looks okay Um, they look like a real team Houston I mean, just beat the Jags who we're talking about. And while their defense looks a little bit problematic, CJ Stroud and those receivers are showing some life. I think Tennessee, who people were really on to be finished second in this division, actually might look worst out of the four teams right now. They're a veteran team and they have good coaching. So I'm sure that they'll continue to be in close games and win some of them. But talent wise, it's not good in Tennessee. The Jags are getting lit up on defense and their offense can't produce. I mean, it's bad on both sides of the ball. This is a team that should have the talent. I know their offensive line isn't very good. And, and some of their defensive front, good at getting pressure, but not good at stopping the run. Maybe they can get it straightened out, again, especially in a division that's still relatively soft. But I think it's time to have a little bit of worry for the Jags, and I haven't before now. Last thing I want to talk about is the Las Vegas Raiders. 
man, they're a little bit Vikings-ish here. They'd be okay if they could take care of the ball. They actually lost the turnover battle against Denver, minus one, and they still won the game. But then they lost the turnover battle by three to Buffalo, and they lost by 28. They lost the turnover battle by three to Pittsburgh last night, and they still only lost by five. I think that this is actually a decent team. The The defense isn't great, but, I mean, yeah, they got destroyed by Buffalo, but they looked serviceable against Pittsburgh, who's you know, not a great offense. But I think they're not a great defense. There's a lot of teams that don't have a great offense. Uh, they're, they're good enough to keep this team in games. Now Jimmy Garoppolo could be out this week with a concussion, and they don't have much there in the way of a backup. But if they could take care of the ball... I think this Raiders team is actually better than what they've looked, and it's easy to overreact to it. All right, time to run through the games for week four and see if we can pick off any lines that look good. The first game up is the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. This one has gotten close to a pick though Detroit is favored minus one and a half. You know, it's minus 115 on the money line, plus 100, even plus 105 on the Packers money line. The Packers pulled off a good good win. Uh, oh, Shady, I see, you, I see you here on the New England Raiders, but, man, I hope you caught me just now talking about how I think the Raiders are better than the way people are going to look at them right now because of the turnovers. But even though he's been turning it over, if Jimmy Garoppolo is out, that's trouble. So uh, I'm probably a little – I feel a little bit better about those Raiders than you do. Uh, Detroit and Green Bay, I think that this is one where uh, – it, it should be a really close game. I think a pick is pretty much right for this one. It is on a Thursday night. If this was in Detroit, I would probably favor Detroit by three. I do think that they're a little bit more talented across the board, more offensive talent. Jordan Love still was missing some throws that were, really didn't look good. He also made some great throws. So, you know, Jordan Love is looking good for his first year as a starter, but I think that Goff is definitely more dialed in. Green Bay's defense has been better, though, and they got a little bit more pressure in that last game against New Orleans. And so if they can keep getting pressure and throw throw the Lions off pace that way, um, that'll be good for them. I will say that Detroit was minus three in the turnover differential in their only loss. So this is a team that's, I mean, again, they beat Kansas City in that first game, and Kansas City didn't play great, but but Detroit's played well. If this wasn't a Thursday night game, I'd be tempted to actually take a shot on the Lions' money line because I do think they're a better team. But being in Lambeau on a Thursday on a short week, this line feels about right to me. So I'm just staying off of it. Um, let's see. Let's go to Sunday. And we start out with Atlanta and Jacksonville. This game is in London at 9.30 in the morning Eastern. So there's not really a home team here, which is something to keep in mind. Man, this is the the matchup of who the hell knows. Uh, Atlanta, absolutely abysmal offensive performance in Detroit against a Detroit defense that has been all right, but not completely shut down. But Desmond Ritter looks like he really can't play football. Uh, he can't throw the ball. Bijan Robinson got bottled up. But this is this is the old Adrian Peters, a Adrian Peterson problem where if you can't throw the ball and you have a great running back, you put eight people in the box and you dare them to throw the ball and you bottle up the run. And I think until they have someone who can be at least okay and threaten with the pass, Bijan Robinson is going to get bottle, bottled up by a lot of defenses, even maybe someone like the Jags who haven't been good against the run. Now, if they could 
stretch the field out a little bit and create some space for him. I think Bijan Robinson could ab- absolutely go off in this game, but I'm not confident that the Falcons can do that. Jacksonville on the other side, I think that they should be able to win this game uh, with relative ease, but the way that they've looked to start this season, I think we just have to hold off. I actually am still of the opinion right now that the Jags will get it together some point and that this division is bad enough that they won't be out of it. But I don't know how many games it's going to take them, and I don't really want to be putting money on them until I know that they've got it together. Um, yeah, no thoughts on the over-under for me either. Shady, a uh, good bet on the Steelers. I did cash the Steelers as well, although you won more money on it than I did because I did not bet as much as you did. But that was a, it was a nice hit. Thank goodness the Raiders turned it over three times to get us that win, huh? All right, next up we have the toilet bowl. <laughs> Denver going to Chicago. Denver coming off a 70-20 to 20 defeat are now out to minus three in Chicago, away from home, against the Bears, who also looked like absolutely hot garbage. The Bears have some of the worst defensive metrics in the league this year after uh, trying to shore up their defense with some linebacking help. In the offseason, Justin Fields still cannot throw a pass more than like four yards, and they're not letting him run as much, so he's not even making as much use of his legs as he used to. Denver, on the other hand, I mean, Denver's been really bad, but I think Sean Payton has proven that there's a coaching advantage in this game, even if Payton hasn't been great to this point. And Denver's offense up until this game against Miami had been looking pretty good. And Chicago's defense is so bad. So the things that I like here is I like Denver's team total over whenever that comes out. The total right now is at 45 and a half. And so what what's Chicago going to be? Half of that plus a couple, 20, 24 and a half maybe. Um, I like that for Denver. I think they should be able to light up the uh, – the Bears defense here. Now it's possible that the Bears score on them as well because the Broncos defense has been absolutely atrocious to this point. But let's be clear that the Chicago Bears are not even half of what the Miami Dolphins are on offense. So I already bet Denver minus two here and it's out to minus three. I don't mind that. I would personally, I think I'd grab the minus three just in case it goes to three and a half. Um, but but I do like Denver to get this done. I, I think it's possible it is a field goal game, and so it would be nice if you could get two and a half even, but I don't hate it at minus three, and if I had to take it, I would take the over here. I think both of these defenses are really in trouble, but I like the Denver Broncos team total over more than I like the game over because I'm just not super confident that Chicago's offense is going to be able to do anything. Like I said, if Fields has one of those big games running, he has hit DJ Moore a few times. It could happen, so the over is not a terrible look, but I'll I'll go uh, Broncos minus two. Yes, shady Broncos country. I am riding it. That's my first bet of the week. Next up should be a fun game. Baltimore goes to Cleveland. This is a really interesting one because Baltimore was favored going into last week on the look ahead line. And now we have Cleveland as a minus two and a half point favorite. This is Earlier today when I looked, it was minus one and a half. So this has just continued to increase. Baltimore, I watched that game on Sunday, and it was a little bit concerning to me. I mean, there were some mistakes that they can clean up, and that'll happen. Lamar had a couple fumbles, even at least one of them that he got back. 
Um, so, but but it was just sloppy from from the Ravens, and the defense to me was not incredibly impressive either. They allowed Garden, Gardner Minshew to have a pretty good day. Now the Colts, I think, are looking like a solid below average team is what I would say. Like they're not total trash; they're okay. And Baltimore didn't play a very good game where the Colts did. And then Cleveland is just absolutely bottling people up. Uh, their defense is absolutely wrecking people. And they wrecked Tennessee last week. Baltimore is a much better offense than Tennessee or a better offense. But they look like they're still trying to adjust to a new system. And it's just not as smooth as I feel like it should be. So I, I think if this would get to plus three on Baltimore, I would consider taking a shot there. I do have a lot of respect for Cleveland's defense. And so that makes me a little bit hesitant. That's the reason also that I already took under 41 and a half. In this game, that's my second bet of the week. Cleveland's just bottling people up, and I think that if Baltimore wins this game, it's more like they they just play good defense as well. Deshaun Watson had a good game against Tennessee, but that's an absolutely trash secondary, and so I'm not sure that I'm buying Deshaun Watson recovering as a passer yet. And so I think that this game ends up probably being in that like 17 to 14 range, and uh, that's under, right? Yeah, that's 31. Man, math is hard sometimes, but I did it. So I took the under in that game, and I would lean Baltimore at plus three, but I'll have to think about whether I want to bet that or not. Cleveland's been impressive, certainly on the defensive side. Cincinnati at Tennessee, I'm not going to talk about this much. We have to see what happens with Cincinnati. Does Burrow get hurt again? Right now, this is close to a pick em. You would have to like Cincinnati here if Joe Burrow plays with that receiving core going against that Titans secondary at a pick em price, but again, let's wait and see what happens tonight before we move on that at all. Miami going to Buffalo, another really exciting game. Miami, let's see, looks like they might be up to plus three on one of the books here. It says, yeah, bet Rivers plus three. Uh, I will probably bet that. Miami looks like a juggernaut right now, and I know we have to be careful because they played the Broncos in the last game, and the Broncos' defense has been terrible. So you don't want to read too much into a game like that. But, man, it's smooth. And Mike McDaniel is creative, and Tua is incredibly accurate. This Buffalo defense should be a little bit more of a challenge, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think Josh Allen could be challenged a little bit by Miami's defense that continues to improve, too. And this is early in the season so there's not going to be you know snow or cold or anything like that in buffalo shady i see you uh saying you like miami plus three uh i oh you're liking money line too at plus 130 yeah i don't hate it i think this is a close game and so to get good plus money on one side is not a bad way to go yes we are sorry i'd be interested to hear yanni definitely check out yanni's stuff as he releases it through the week maybe if he joins me for the dfs show on thursday we'll ask him what he thinks about buffalo because i'd be curious his take on this game i think we do have to be careful about overreacting to that miami game with denver and thinking Miami's just gonna clock everybody because they won that game so let's be careful about that but a plus three miami seems like a good shot to me washington at philadelphia again let's wait and see how philly looks but at minus seven, I definitely think that the that's a great teaser leg. I expect Philadelphia to win that game at home against Washington. Washington isn't as good as they looked the first two weeks. They're probably not as bad as they looked last week either. They're probably somewhere in between. As long as Philadelphia continues to take steps forward and 
and check that injury report too. They've had a ton of defensive injuries, but if they're healthy enough on the defense, I definitely like Philly as a teaser leg. Not sure how I feel about the minus seven yet. Something I'll have to think about. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This is another one. Let's see how Tampa Bay looks tonight. I, I am a little bit tempted to take Tampa Bay plus three right now. That New Orleans defense looks pretty good, but we got Jameis Winston now. Derek Carr is going to be out for a few weeks. Shady's boy, Derek Carr, is going to be out. And Derek Carr was missing people. He's not incredibly accurate, but man, the offense just completely stalled once he was gone. And Jameis Winston got replaced for a reason. Um, I, don't, I don't think too much of Jameis Winston. There are a lot of, of weapons there, and Alvin Kamara will be back, which would be a little shot in the arm for New Orleans. But as long as nobody gets hurt on Tampa, I don't know. that This feels like a game that should be very close to me. I also am interested in the under 41.5 here. I think both of these teams could struggle to score. Uh, both defenses are pretty solid. And the offensive weapons are good, but the offensive production has not been good. New Orleans, I think I had written down here, New Orleans has yet to score 20 points this year. So even in their wins, they're not getting it done offensively, and now now Carr is out as well. So I like the under as a look there. Minnesota goes to Carolina, minus three and a half for Minnesota. Carolina's bad. I think Carolina is proving themselves to be one of the bottom three teams in the league, and I don't know that that's really going to change. Minnesota is also bad, but they've been a little bit unlucky. I talked about that some in the opening. Minnesota very easily could have won that game against the Chargers, and I'm not saying they deserve to. Don't get me wrong. They did not deserve to. I feel like neither team really deserved to win that game. My point is that they have you know, one interception caught or one ball that doesn't bounce off a couple people or Kirk Cousins knows when to spike a ball. Maybe the Vikings win, and then we're talking about them having some life. So, um. Cam Akers should be playing, I would imagine, in his first game there. I think that, I mean, it's not some massive thing, but I do think it helps a little bit. Carolina's actually been a little bit softer against the run, so maybe that helps. Here's the other big thing is Carolina's offensive line is terrible. On PFF, they have a 37.9 in pass blocking and 53.7 in run blocking. Both terrible. Minnesota's pressure rate is terrible, though, too. 53.3 on PFF. So this is like a battle between an offensive line that doesn't want to block anyone and a defensive pass rush that doesn't ever want to get home. <laughs> we'll see who can get it done out of that. All that to say, I feel like I feel like Minnesota should win this game by a touchdown. I, I feel like they are a better team. The question is, can they actually put it together or are they just going to do penance for the rest of this season because of winning all those close games last year? and just end up screwing it up one way or another in every single game this season. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm considering betting Minnesota minus three and a half. It pains me to say that, but I think that's probably the right side here. And if Minnesota had beaten the Chargers, I think they're probably at least minus four and a half here. Definitely check to see if this ever pops down to three as well, depending on how people are betting it. I do see that uh, Bovada, it's out to minus four already, so maybe it's moving that direction rather than the other. Might have to think about getting on it sooner rather than later if that's the case. All right, let's see. I got to find my place here. There it is. Uh, Rams in Indianapolis. We're going to skip that one for now. Again, I think that's probably a close game. Let's see how things look tonight, though. 
I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, Shady just said Homer system because uh, never playing the Vikings again. Here's the thing, Shady. You can believe me or not, but I tend to shy away from betting the Vikings because I'm a fan. I just uh, I have to look at at the numbers and look at the the bad luck there. They're minus seven in turnover differential through three games. I just think there's got to be some regression at at some point. So. Anyway, I haven't better yet. Bet it yet. If it's a homer play, it's a homer play. I can live with it. Pittsburgh goes to Houston. Houston is plus three. Uh, the total here is 40 and a half. Man, this is a tough one to know what to do with because if this game, I wonder what the line was like two or three weeks ago before this season went the way it did. I imagine it was at least Pittsburgh minus four and a half. And now we've come down to three. Um, and so there's part of me that wants to lean toward Pittsburgh just because of potentially an overreaction. But Pittsburgh has gotten kind of lucky, even in their wins. I don't like that win against the Raiders. I already talked about that. It was bad coaching from McDaniels at the end of the game there. It was three turnovers, uh, three interceptions from Garoppolo. They were throwing the ball around. Pittsburgh scored the points they did because of a few big plays. It's not like they just move the ball steadily. They've really struggled to run the ball so far this year. Harris and Warren both really can't get going. I, I obviously like the pass rush for for the Steelers, but they also um, are without Hayward on the defensive line for like half the season. I, I just, I'm not sure Pittsburgh is good. Now, I don't think Houston is good either. Let's not flip because of one game against the Jacksonville team that's really struggled to say that they're good, but CJ Stroud looks like he can sling it a little bit. And if he can get a little bit of protection um, and this Houston defense has been kind of okay. And I think against a Pittsburgh team that to me looks like their offense just isn't very good. Maybe they'll get things straightened out. Maybe it's Matt Canada that can't call offensive plays. But for me, this is a stay away right now. If anything, I'd probably consider teasing Houston up because I think that a field goal is about right in this game. More than likely, I just stay away from it, though. Um, I could see a play on the over 40 and a half. Just, you know, both defenses not phenomenal. Um, but I think being so hesitant on Pittsburgh's offense would keep me off a little bit. Pittsburgh playing zone defense a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'll have to, Shady, I'll have to look into how. Uh, CJ is done against man versus zone defense too. That's not something that I've looked into yet. And I haven't bet this game. So definitely I'd do some more research. It, I probably won't bet it, but if I did, then we go to those Las Vegas Raiders that we were just talking about going to the chargers who finally got their first win against Minnesota. This is an interesting game because of injuries and, and makes it really hard to know how to play Mike Williams tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. Palmer could come in, um, maybe Quentin, Quentin Johnson. Um, you know, they still have Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler is probably not going to be back. And so I think that there's a little, I mean, they should still be able to produce against that defense because the secondary is not great there for the Raiders. But I think that they could be hampered a little bit by these position players being out. Every year it seems like the Chargers get hammered by injuries. And now it starts to feel like that's the case again. 
On the Raiders side of things, we've got Garoppolo out most likely. He's in concussion protocol, so I guess we don't know that he's out. He might be out. Honestly, honestly, if Garoppolo played and this line was what it was, plus five and a half, I would probably be on the Raiders side here, um, given what's going on in this game. Also, here's actually something I really like that I need to look at when the line comes out at what to bet, but I think maybe this is the game where Josh Jacobs gets going. Josh Jacobs came into camp late, and so he didn't have really any training camp to get in shape. We're now headed into week four, so hopefully he's he's had enough time to get up to speed. And this Chargers defense has been bad against the run again. They haven't actually been phenomenal against the pass either. But I think this could be a game where the Raiders get Josh Jacobs going. They grind it out a little bit. They keep the ball away from Herbert. And I think they can stay in this game. Um, I the problem is if it's Brian Hoyer playing quarterback at age 73, I don't think I really want anything to do with a Brian Hoyer led offense. So I will look at Vegas if Garoppolo plays. Otherwise, this is a game I'm just going to stay off of. It feels pretty gross to me. 47 and a half total. Again, if Garoppolo played, I might be interested in an over here, but if he doesn't, I don't know how much the rate, I mean, there it is, probably handed off to Josh Jacobs a lot and hope that he can just pound the rock. All right, we got three more Sunday games. Arizona, fresh off a win over, as Shady would say, those pigs cowgirls. Oh, that one killed me. I'm going to just say real quick, I've tried to diversify enough uh, as Shady always preaches structure and discipline. I actually feel like I've been disciplined but I felt like this Dallas spot against Arizona, I found a couple good ways to play it, and I went pretty heavy, and I got destroyed on it. I think I even tweeted last week that I thought that the chances of Dallas winning this game, even without one of their star players, <laughs> yeah, mush, exactly, that's what I did, was I mushed it, but I thought it was like 97%, so, you know, take whatever I say with a grain of salt, because I thought Dallas had this covered. I will say they played like absolute crap, and also they had four trips inside the 10-yard line, and came away with six points. So this is another one that feels like one of those outlier games to me. And even though, yes, I mushed it and it and I got kind of hammered on it, even with the Cowboys playing a bad game, they they should have won. But they didn't. And Arizona comes in with a little bit of a bounce in their step. But now they got to go play San Francisco in San Francisco. Rough for them. This line, though, at minus 14, I don't know what you do with this. Maybe you use it as a teaser leg and get San Francisco down to minus seven. I think it's very likely that they beat the Cardinals by seven points. But after my experience with the Cowboys last week, I'm probably not likely to do anything with this game. The Cardinals have looked good running the ball. That's going to be a tall task against the 49ers. If anything, uh, it's going to be a very low number, but maybe you consider like an Arizona team total under here. The total's only 44 and a half to begin with. So that's like, uh, what is that, 30 to 14? Is that about right? Yeah, 30 ish to 14. If you can get Arizona's team total under 14 and a half, I think that's the, the play that I'd be most likely to look at in this game. You could probably also look at some overs for the San Francisco Niner, 49ers um, position players. We go from the Cardinals to those Dallas Cowboys who now welcome the Patriots to town. And the Cowboys are still minus seven in this game. The total's at 42 and a half. This is 
two good defenses, New England has been not very good on offense, and I would imagine that that continues to be the case. They haven't been able to really get the run game going, and Mac Jones is very seldom going to absolutely crush it. But Dak has not looked fantastic to start. He, he hasn't thrown a lot of picks. He threw one against Arizona, obviously the bad one at the end of the game. But before that, he didn't have any picks. So that's good for him, and Tony Pollard has looked really good. But New England's defense is no joke either. This is another game where I would consider an under. I think both teams are going to struggle to score against the other one. And the total is at 43, well, 42 and a half, 43 and a half right now. So I don't mind an under in this game. I haven't bet that yet, but that's probably something I'll take a closer look at. And I, eh, I probably stay away from it. I was going to say I might consider uh, teasing New England up to plus 13 because I think that this will be lower scoring and relatively close. I think the Cowboys do bounce back. I think last week was a little, little bit of an aberration. Uh, I think this is still a good team. And so I think they do probably bounce back and get the win here. But seven points is a lot against New England, uh, even on the road. So I'll probably pass there. Sunday night, we get the Taylor Swifts from Kansas City again with the New York. J- oh, no, they, they are going to the New York Jets and they are minus nine and a half. I don't know if this is the Taylor Swift effect. Like now that uh, Taylor Swift is on the Chiefs, if they're just going to be favored by an inordinate number of points every week. I was talking to my daughter and my wife, and they were interested in football for like the first time because they heard that Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game. I also saw Travis Kelsey jersey sales went up 400% after last week. So that is the power of Taylor Swift. I don't think it affects the line here, though. We know the deal in this game, right? Zach Wilson's not good. And until they do something at quarterback, the Jets are going to continue to struggle. The defense has been solid, but this was what it looked like last year for the Jets. The defense has to keep them in it against all odds while Zach Wilson tries to give the game away. Um, the, the Chiefs should be able to key on the running game of the Jets. Brees Hall, you know, I think can be a good running back, but if the box is stacked, it's tough. And Kansas City's defense has looked good. I, I think Kansas City is about to get it going. Um, I, you know, they, they beat Chicago. You can't take much from that. I'm not saying that, but I just trust Patrick Mahomes and Reed to, <laughs> to get it figured out. Eventually shady says the jets need to sign Vinny Testaverde. to be honest. Why not? I mean, it can't be much worse than Zach Wilson. I think at this point they should sign just about anybody who can still stand upright. It's like that Heisman house commercial where all the old guys, Dan Marino is going to go back with his reading glasses. I, I'd say take Dan Marino with his reading glasses over Zach Wilson at this point. So this game, man, I like Kansas City for sure to get it done. I think this could be lower scoring again, though. Uh, I don't mind the under in this game. It's at 43, which is a relatively low total. But I think that Kansas City's defense is good enough to hold this Jets offense down for the most part. And then I think the Jets kind of keep them in the game. I could see this one being like a 20 to 10 kind of game, maybe 23 to 13, something like that. So for me, right around that 10 point mark is where I would put it. And it's minus nine and a half. I probably wouldn't tease this either because you only get it down to three and a half. I obviously want to get that down to at least three if I'm going to tease this game. But I would take a look at the under with Kansas City and the Jets. All right, Monday night, last game of the week. We go to 
the Giants at home with Seattle coming to town. Seattle, well, the Giants are minus one and a half here. I think it's still up in the air whether Saquon Barkley will play or not. And I definitely do think that matters, especially against a Seahawks defense that has been kind of soft to this point. This is another one of those games that I think I am unlikely to get involved with. The Giants aren't very good, but they do have good coaching. And I think that Daniel Jones can be effective against soft defenses. And that's what worries me here is whenever he faces an above average defense, I think he's going to kind of get lit up and really going to struggle. But I don't think the Seahawks defense is above average. I think it's average to a little bit below average, actually. And so I think Daniel Jones is actually going to be able to operate pretty well in this game. The question is if the Giants defense can do enough to get the win uh, against a Seattle offense that's looked better since that first game against the Rams. Maybe not absolutely unbelievable, but but they've looked all right. The total here is 47, 46 and a half you can get. I would, I'd lean toward the over there. I I think both of these offenses are going to be able to have the upper hand over the defenses. And this is one we're depending on if Saquon is in and uh, checking the injury report, I'll, I'll probably be looking at a handful of player props from this game as well. All right. That is a look at all of the games for next week. Obviously we got through it really fast this week. Cause no Yanni, but uh, check it, check out the tailgate next Monday. I would imagine that Yanni DJJ. So I think JJ is going to be able to join next week, talking to a couple other guests uh, about showing up. And so hopefully we'll make that happen. Also, Go to BigTastySports.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. Check out the articles that are there. Subscribe to the channel so you see the content that's coming in. We'll have the DFS show again on Thursday. And uh, appreciate you checking out the show. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week or Thursday. Have a good night.